0: And welcome back to another week of the Peachtree Post. Um, our apologies ahead of time to Lewis Martin, one of the loyal posters. Uh, we're going to talk Atlanta United. I'll go ahead and earmuff you at the appropriate time so you can avoid this when you feel that uh, you are not ready for this. But first, uh, catching up on uh, the events of last night. As you uh, heard with the Peach Pit, if you haven't checked it out today, go ahead and check it out. Uh, we, we crossed over. Uh, Jason Longshore, hi, say hi, Jason. Hola. Uh, Jason Longshore crossed over with Eric Quintana and talked up the kids last night after the big reveal. So we'll go over the reveal party, any news we got coming out with the coaching staff, player rumors, and then, um, yeah, we'll we'll get to whatever the hell happened last night. Um, Jason, first off, the uh, the reveal party was last night at the Tabernacle. I'm pretty sure there was a fire safety violation, as both of y'all talked about yesterday. I know I was at the end of the line at one point, and I was standing next to the ferris wheel on the far side of the building to get in
1: oh wow i didn't know the line got that long
0: yeah i posted a couple of pictures through the uh Peachtree post page but like the the uh i could have tossed a baseball very casually and hit somebody in that ferris wheel nice that was that was a line
1: <laughs> it was quite the turnout um I got down there, I guess a little after five o'clock and kind of, you know, walked around the scene, went over to Park Bar where Footy Mob and Resurgence were meeting up and then uh, headed over to Switch Yards where Terminus Legion was meeting up, talked to some people at both spots. Uh, it was great to run into some people who listened to the show. So all of y'all who were who were there and ran in, ran into me, I, I don't know if, if anybody talked to you, Jarrett, but... No, they did not. <laughs> well, I think okay. I have the Kangle hat thing going on, so I think people recognize me because of the hat.
0: That's how I found you.
1: Yes. I just I, I
0: looked for the Kangle.
1: Tall guy in a Kangle, it's gonna be me. So
0: And there's like eight different styles as well. He has like
1: eight. <laughs> I think I do have eight, actually. I've I've got some some Kangles. Um but yeah, that's that's my thing, I guess. That's my name tag. So Jason
0: Longshore and Samuel L. Jackson are keeping the Kangle market afloat. By
1: the I side. I'm glad you said Samuel L. Jackson and uh, LL Cool J, so thank you. Um I would have been upset with that one. But uh yeah, it was it was cool. It was cool to meet some people um, who listened to the show and thanks for all the great feedback. And you know, just a cool celebration last night of kind of everything that has built to this point, and that's I guess you know looking back on it now 24 hours later like that's kind of what it felt like was this was the the graduation for building the club and now you're about to get into actually signing players and putting a team on the field this is this was the culmination of everything up to that point and that's kind of the the vibe I got in some of the the interviews afterwards with Darren Eels and Arthur Blank and and even Chris McCann and Hector Fischalba, like it kind of felt like this was a culmination of things, and now the next step is ready to start.
0: Yeah, you, um, I think somebody described it. I want to say it was on Dirty South Soccer. Uh, one of the articles um, may have been Harris. Uh, forgive me if it's not, whoever wrote it. My sincere apologies if it wasn't. But talking about it, it wasn't so much an announcement as – we had an idea what this was going to look like. It was an affirmation of what we got. Like, we got what we expected. um, But it, like you said, graduation's a good word for it. It felt like this is a big step out of the way. And now all the pieces are in place for the most part, minus the players. But the pieces are in place to, for that first game. Like, it feels real. It feels like everything is everything is there now you just everything's in place now you just have to hit the start button
1: yeah all of the branding elements are there so you know you you had the it's it's just i guess the whole like timeline of how everything has happened has been cool like you had the you know the team announced in april of 2014 then you had a name put to it and a logo and now you have a kit, so everything is in place for this team to be a real legit thing, except for a full roster, and that's the next step.
0: Yeah, I'd say so, and that's and that's something that's going to happen is, uh as you mentioned. Um, we had the sneaky signing, where it, the kind of like one of those things where the deal is made, the deal just can't happen yet. There may be more of those we just don't know about when the transfer window opens up. All hell is going to break loose. Uh, both domestic and international.
1: Dude, that three hour trade window is gonna be bananas.
0: Yeah, Twitter Twitter might catch fire.
1: Oh, I can't wait for that. Like, I'm I'm gonna have to I don't know how I'm gonna handle this. I mean we might have a three-hour Sunday morning pastry Tree post covering the trade window in MLS. That <laughs> might have to happen. It's gonna be insane. It might be like Krispy Kreme sponsored trade window. Broadcast of the Peachtree Post because I think
0: we'll just meet up at the at like Ponce City Market or something and just do it.
1: Yes. We'll, no, we'll meet up at the the Krispy Kreme on Ponce and we'll get oh, Shaquille better. O'Neal to like you know bring us donuts and and we'll be set and we'll cover this because I think you're gonna see in that trade window Atlanta United get its starting goalkeeper. That's my I guess my bold prediction for that trade window is it's gonna be Zach McMath or Sean Johnson. And it's going to happen in that trade window because they're not going to want to risk it and wait on the expansion draft. So, yeah, and I,
0: I think that if you get it, then too, it also opens up. That's one less thing you have to get in the expansion draft. Yep. And not to say that you'll take too many risks with the expansion draft because they've cut the picks back. So, you're looking for guys who can contribute right away. But that's where you can start looking forward. You can get, you know, defenders, you can get midfielders. You don't have necessarily have to worry about the keeper. If you get a keeper right off the bat like that, like a Johnson, like a McMath then you can focus you can double your efforts down on you know center backs wing backs whatever do you want another striker i don't know whatever you want to do it's your call not mine
1: yeah you'll have options and i, I think i think united's going to be active in that window so <laughs> it was completely random to say a a live broadcast during that window but that might be pretty fun actually yeah
0: as long as there's donuts yeah i'm good
1: yeah, you know, that's good. Um, this could
0: happen. But F- does a good breakfast as well.
1: Oh, uh, very nice. Um,
0: yeah. So all of these are possibilities. Okay. Just like Just uh, like the the second kit will be possibilities because God only knows where they will go with that. Um, but as far as the actual reveal goes, um, were you surprised? Was there anything that really surprised you about the kit when it
1: popped up? About the kit itself? Um, no. I guess it wasn't really a surprise, but it was maybe a little cleaner, like simpler than I thought it might be. I mean, if, when you start really getting into the details on it, it's a, I don't want to say basic in a bad way. Like it's, it's just a very simple, clean kit. It, you know, you don't have a lot of like piping and you don't have a lot of like throwing gold pinstripes in places and the shorts are, you know, very simple and clean, and the socks are very basic, which th- I, I think you had mentioned that, that. That was a little surprising. I was uh,
0: disappointed, honestly, but I understand why they went that way. I was hoping they'd get a little more fun with the socks, but
1: I'm a, not upset. Yeah, it's a good look. I, I'm cool with it. Um, I I like it. I, I guess that was probably the biggest surprise is how simple it ended up um, in a good way.
0: Yeah, I, it, it was simple. It was clean. It felt really classical. It felt it honestly felt yeah. like um it felt like the kind of kit you have to unlock on FIFA as your team's classical kit.
1: Yeah, it's it looks like a I mean it kind of has a retro feel cuz it's just that's that clean and simple and you could drop that jersey, you take the badge off of it, you could drop that jersey into any league in the world and it would not look out of place. It is just very traditional and authentic.
0: Yeah. I still stand by the socks. I was hoping for a little more fun with Um, like, but as far as the actual rest of it goes, the Jersey, the shorts, the only thing that felt like a little bit of flair that what, like it wasn't a complete classical kit were the three stripes on the shoulders and on the side of the shorts, like I looked at that and it's like, okay, well that's the only place where you really got hog wild. The rest of it's very clean, very classic. Um, I'm really interested to see what it was, look like with the numbers and the name on the back. I think with nothing on the back, it felt a little plain. But oh, you haven't blank seen base. that yet. I haven't. have not seen that.
1: Ah, well, you'll have to go check out the Peachtree Post Twitter account at Peachtree underscore post, because uh, I posted a picture of the back of Arthur Blank and Darren Eels jerseys that had name and number on it. Oh, I'm really bad at my job. Yeah, um, seriously. Um, I,
0: I've been out of the loop for half the day. And yeah, my, yeah. Excuses, we'll, excuses. We'll, we'll get to me like not paying attention last night in a minute. Um,
1: <laughs> no, it's a good look. It, it works. Um, yeah. I, I think some people, I believe it was uh, J.R. Francis or Austin Long on the uh, Soccer Nomad site saying that they either thought or hoped that the jersey would be... Black with red stripes as opposed to red with black stripes, which is what we have. Um, doesn't matter to me either way. Uh, I mean, the red, the red's fine by me. It's a different red. And we'll talk about that in a second. But the name and number really makes it work pretty well in the back. The only thing I, I kind of worry about, and this is coming from my uh, doing stats experience. I wonder how hard it will be to catch names and numbers you know, in stadium because it's kind of a darkish gold on a darkish red. So I'm not sure how well it'll pop. And I wonder if they'll do anything about that. That was the only thing I kind of noticed.
0: I've had that question before as well in the last few days when I thought about, like, what could an alternate kit look like? And I thought, uh, I mentioned this tonight, uh, the idea of gold and white. And the first thing that pops into my head when I think about that is something like Real Madrid. And I'm not saying you go do that, but that could be hard to read. Yeah. On the back. Yeah. Um or you could just be a just completely go for it and have uh oh we're gonna do red and black uh stripes and we're gonna do white and gold hoops. Come on,
1: fight us. Ooh, that's just no. No. <laughs> no, that uh, just doesn't work. Um I mean, maybe gold and white stripes. I don't know. We've thrown some many like possible things, out there on the. Someone, someone tonight mentioned a hash, like or a hash, a sash. A hash. I like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna put a dash on it now. Just have this is a big dash on the front.
0: No, we're just gonna cover it in hash browns.
1: <laughs> it's not a Waffle House sponsorship, although that would have been awesome. Oh my god, dude! I, um, we would have sold so many Waffle House jerseys. Oh my
0: God! Yes, um, but yeah, the jersey I'm fine with. The presentation was the only thing. The only thing that intro was missing was Bill Goldberg's intro music.
1: I was gonna say the Undertaker, just Druids, That's but you know, I'll, I'll let you have that one.
0: No, either one's fine. Uh, just, I mean, oh, I, no, I, I legitimately, I got, it. I got yeah. it.
1: If you had had, you know, you, you, the the music starts. The music was cool. Like I started actually recording the video like when things went dark. So I'm like, man, this is going on for a while if about a minute into it on the video screen, you see a knock on the door and it's on Arthur's door and it's oh the security God. like leading Arthur <laughs> to the stage and he grabs the players and brings them to the stage and and unleashes the players onto the crowd. That would have been amazing.
0: Well, I legitimately thought there was a fire on the feet on the uh, stage. Oh, the smoke I thought was something went away. wrong.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it when, just... it,
0: when it didn't stop, uh, my wife and I were standing there we're like, okay, that's a lot of smoke. It's, <laughs> Uh, any day now.
1: Yeah, I posted. I mean, the video's out there, but I, I posted it on uh, my Twitter at Longshoe and at Dirty South uh, Soc, and like the smoke kept going, and I was like so close to saying, "I think they messed something up," <laughs> yeah, because it just kept going and going and going and going. It was, I mean, it was definitely WWE esque type of entrance. It was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, someone, someone. Someone appreciated that and I I like that 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 makes me happy
1: I like the train uh, the train whistle that was cool I didn't expect that because they haven't used any kind of imagery like that that was cool um, I, I know some people said you know maybe that's gonna be a goal That's something they'll do after goals that would be awesome it could work um, I'm trying to think of anything else that popped out of me oh the red the shade of red it's a very dark. Red, yeah. Um, and what when it jumped out to me was in the interview room afterwards. Uh, Arthur Blank came up and spoke, and he was wearing a red undershirt, like a normal red undershirt. And it was such a stark difference between the dark red of the jersey and a normal red shirt next to it. It it was very noticeable. So this red it's it's kind of hard to replicate. So, you know, like I have one of the red Atlanta United t-shirts that's just a normal bright red. Like that's not even close to Atlanta United red. Victory red, I think is what they're calling it.
0: Victory red. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's it's very dark. So, the kit has kind of an interesting look, and I wonder how it'll look like under lights, you know, on a field because the red's dark. You have black. You have a, a kind of a dark gold. They didn't go the kind of yellowish like you saw in some of the original color schemes. The red's dark. The gold's dark. It's it's a it works. I think it's a it's a cool blend. But everything does come off a little dark. So there's not anything bright in it. I wonder if the second kit will have some brightness to it, one way or another.
0: The thing with the gold is, and um, it reminds me of. I don't know how much anybody pays attention to college football uniforms. The thing that popped into my mind when I saw the gold is I like it, but it kind of reminds me of what LSU did this year when they went with gold, uh, tops for their uniforms for one game. And it, it was a little, it wasn't the shade of gold you were expecting. And I'm not sure that kind of gold works as a solid color by it as as a dominant color. So like a gold kit in that might not come across the way you want it to. It might be a little too dark.
1: That's where I'm at. I don't, Think it would work. Um, I'm not a fashionista, so you know don't don't take my word for gospel on this. But I don't think a predominantly gold kit will work. If you do gold with a good helping of white, maybe. Um, and I don't know if that's stripes or if that's white sleeves or like the Ajax type of look where it's two dark gold bars on a white kit. I don't know something, but I think just the gold by itself might not work as a jersey as the predominant.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, uh, did you have anything, uh, anything else pop in your mind about the kit that, uh, you needed to uh, speak on?
1: Um, trying to think of anything else that was floating around in in some discussions last night. Uh, no collar, which I'm, I'm okay with. I am I'm I think I'm one of the few who are cool with collars on kits. Uh, I think I'm old school that way. But, I'm
0: fine with them, but I can take them or leave them.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't really care either way. And this one works without it. It looks good. Uh, I don't know what the final numbers are going to come in at, like what they sold either pre-sale or, or in the building last night or maybe even at the store last night because they went on sale at the store once they were unveiled. Uh, business was, was booming from what I could tell. So, I think they sold a lot. I, I'd i have to get clarification. I believe it was said that they set a record among jersey sales, or maybe it's jersey orders for a new team. I'm not sure. Um, either, either way, they're going to sell a lot of jerseys. And you might see Atlanta United as the number one selling Jersey next year, especially if a big player will be one of the options for it.
0: And especially combine that with, let's say they get off to a dream start. Like it could take off. Like I just imagine it. The the things I imagine are they get off to a dream start uh, and something happens that makes them villainous. Those are the things in my life that just, if those come true,
1: Man, we we are going all in on the four horsemen type of thing here with this team. Like you're going to have, you know, like Tata is J.J. Dillon, you know, where I guess right now you have Chris McCann. will definitely be one of them. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, you God. Know, you know, Kenwin fits as one of the four horsemen for sure. I don't I don't know about Vishal, but I don't know if he's he's nasty enough yet.
0: Ken, Kenwin's your guy who works the mic.
1: <laughs> I mean, so, Kenwin,
0: works, Kenwin works the mic like vintage Conan in NWO.
1: So I guess what it comes down to, okay, if we're going to go fully down this road of Atlanta United as the four horsemen, which needs to happen and there needs to be posters and, and memes and all of it. So Tata's JJ Dillon. It, it, I hope you guys are old school wrestling fans or you're just like, what is this idiot talking about? So Tata Martino, JJ Dillon, he's the the manager of the group. I think we have uh, Chris McCann as Arn Anderson the worker, the, you know, just he's going to get the job done. He's tough. I think Kenwin could be the Tully Blanchard of the group. I think that works. So you need the fourth guy, which would change in the history of the Four Horsemen a lot, but of uh, the classic lineup, you're talking either, you know, Ole Anderson or Barry Windham, and you need the Ric Flair. So the Ric Flair is the big signing. That's that's obvious. So if it's Guardado, if it's Carlos Tevez, Carlos Tevez would be a great fit for this, by the Tevez way. Would be perfect. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> it writes itself. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So if if we have a Atlanta United four horseman of Tata Martino, Carlos Tevez, Kenwin Jones, Chris McCannon, and, and let's put Vishalba in there. Oh my god.
0: Yeah. And that's assuming they don't like for all we know, Vishalba might get kicked out because they might sign a center back who's just a fighter for all we
1: know see that's the thing like vishaba kind of reminds me more of sting so so, you know sting would i don't think he he fits there you know they had sting in there for a minute and they turned on him like sting's the baby face vishaba kind of comes off like a baby face the rest of
0: carlton might be i didn't realize how small andrew carlton was until last night
1: he he's he's a wee lad
0: God bless. I know he's 16. He's got a lot of growing left to do. But when he stood up there with his job, all I can think, "Is holy God, he's tiny." Well, and, and, bless and Chris... him for keeping his God bless him for uh, keeping his feet in games against adults. I'm way more impressed now.
1: <laughs> and Chris McCann's a big guy, so he's, oh, yeah. he's tall anyway. I wouldn't say a big guy, but he's tall.
0: And soccer, so, he's very large.
1: Yes. So we have our four horsemen for Atlanta United. Um, just make sure when when the memes and, and everything is created, just throw a, you know, at p3 underscore post on that, and we're good.
0: Yeah, that's have, all we ask for.
1: Have, have fun, guys. Mucha plata.
0: Mucha plata. Um, God, I hope Tevez like has an undershirt that says <laughs> mucha plata. He scores oh, his first God. goal and just raced <laughs> Yes.
1: Yes just rips it up so so he just he starts cutting promos about his gators and (laughs) diamonds are forever and oh my god this is amazing
0: oh no (laughs) what hell hath we wrought
1: yeah it's it's all over now i i can't see anything but the four horsemen of atlanta united
0: Uh, oh god anyway um Oh, we should get to the rest of the team. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey look, they, they signed coaches.
1: They filled out the rest of the staff. They did, and they kind of dropped that out of nowhere. Um, hey, Atlanta
0: don't leak their material.
1: No. Like,
0: like, just an aside for a second, those jerseys didn't leak. There wasn't, like, a full-on leak, like, ahead of time that was mass-published. Like, good work, Atlanta, because how often does that happen with guys like Chris Kramer and uh, – like the all of those Twitter accounts and websites who do jerseys and do uniforms and updates, like they'll get a hold of those leaks and they're really good at it. Yeah. There, there may have been leaks about this, but it wasn't like there was mass published pages and retweets about
1: it. Like I didn't see any. I didn't see a leak at all. Neither
0: did I. But I'm, I'm saying there may have been. I, if it was, I didn't see it. Like yeah. good work.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Um, they they keep the stuff under wraps. They do a good job there. So the assistants. You know it came out of it came late on Monday and you know everybody was hyped about the the kit release the next day so the assistants kind of flew under the radar I did a a, a peach pit Monday night about it it was it's funny because I had like just finished a peach pit about I just a few random things and finished it and uh, I was about to upload the file and get the word like hey the assistants are about to be announced get ready I was like oh my gosh okay so then I had to you know, do a little bit of research because there were some guys we didn't expect and then threw it together in the peach pit. So that was my kind of initial reaction. Um, I won't go into like a ton of detail at this point because I mean, it's already there. Check that, that episode out from a couple of days ago, but we knew some of these guys and we've talked about them before. Uh, the assistant Jorge Thieler um, was expected. He will be Martino's number one assistant. They worked together before at Newell's. Um, Martino and him are very close. Martino almost left the Argentine national team job when there were some political battles about Thieler taking over the U-20s because that was part of Martino's deal to go to, the, to work with the federation. And they kind of drugged their feet on appointing Thieler and and Martino wasn't having it. And it finally got done. Uh, The other ones we knew about ahead of time, and this is from Vero Brunati, the uh, Spanish sports writer who covers Argentina. Uh, The video analysis, Damian Silvero has worked with the Argentine national team, worked with clubs. Uh, The two trainers, Manuel Alfaro and Rodolfo Palladini, both have worked with Martino in different spots. Alfaro worked with him at Barcelona. He's also been part of the, uh, the Paraguay national team and Peru's national team. Um, Palladini's worked with the Venezuelan national team recently, and he worked with Martino at Newell's. Uh, the guys we did not know, uh, sports science, Ryan Alexander, worked with the U.S. national team and worked with the U.S. Uh, youth women's national teams. That's pretty cool. It's cool that we're, we're investing in this. Like We've talked about all these investments the team has made. We're hiring a video analysis, a sports science, two trainers. That's significant. Not every MLS team has these type of resources on staff. Aaron Hyde, the goalkeeper coach, uh, we had not heard anything about. He worked with the Chicago Fire for, for six years, uh, worked with Sean Johnson there, which is why we, we mentioned him earlier in that trade window that link I think becomes prominent now and you have to really consider it when you're talking about who could be playing a goal for Atlanta United. And then probably the highest profile one that was a bit of a surprise was Dario Sala. He was the goalkeeper with FC Dallas, uh, 2005 to 2010. When he retired, he was a general manager at Jacksonville Armada in the NASL when they started, um, had a rough year the first year he was let go, and he's worked as a player agent. He's not worked as a coach in any high profile capacity, so he's probably the biggest question mark on the staff.
0: That's fair. Um, the high the, the Hyde one sticks out to me as well. The, just the connection with Chicago, and even and I think whether or not you get a guy like Johnson in that in that three hour chaos window or whenever. Um, I think a lot of it depends on what he says, just because the amount of the amount of time he spent with him. I think you know you yeah. bring him in either way, but he can tell you yes, do this; no, don't do this. And uh, whether in whether it happens or not, I think a lot of it we're going to be able to look back and say, well, I'm going to assume he gave them the advice of a yes
1: or no. He's going to know him the best, so yeah, yeah, I think you're dead on there. Um, the other couple things with Hyde to keep in mind. And it, it'll depend on how Tata utilizes them. And, and also, it kind of depends on how uh, he was utilized in Chicago. I think he worked mostly under Frank Klopas. A lot of teams will... Well, I guess it varies. Not every team does it. Some teams will use a goalkeeper coach for more than just goalkeepers. I remember uh, Pat Onstad, who was the goalkeeper coach with DC United for a couple years, they talked about significantly how he got involved with more than just the goalkeepers. He would kind of work with the defense as a group um, and have a heavy influence there. We'll see if Hyde does that here. The other thing about Hyde is he worked a good bit with the Academy goalkeepers in Chicago. So he has that experience working with the younger guys. Atlanta has some strong Academy goalkeepers to work with. So Hyde's influence can be felt pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. And it's, and if you think he's good enough to bring on staff, and I have no questions about that at all, I like the idea of bring him and let him work. You've got a young goalkeeper right now playing in your USL team yes. who's under contract, who you know maybe he helps him get to that next level that you're expecting Tim to get to.
1: Yeah, and I think you know we saw progression with Tim at Charleston, uh, yeah. probably more so than any of the other players that were out on loan this year. We saw Tim you know, improve over his loan spell. So the, you know, good to see what he can do with a goalkeeper coach who has been in MLS significantly has the experience of the league and knows what to bring to the table. And he's probably, well, he there's not even probably he is the coach on staff who has the most experience as a coach in MLS. Sala played in MLS for about the same amount of time as Hyde has been in a goalkeeper coach. But that coaching experience in the league is important.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, the the staff just looks filled out. It looks deep, and it looks like it covers a lot of areas. Um, I want to see how it functions on a day-to-day basis. I don't know how we'll kind
1: of get an eye on that. but You'll see that uh, in training sessions. You'll see kind of how they work together. You'll hear comments and start to piece things together. Mm -hmm. The thing that... I I like out of this as a a whole of the group who was announced and we'll leave Sala to the side because of his lack of experience. Uh, Thieler has a great bit of coaching experience. He's been the head guy. He's been in the academies and he's been an assistant. So he's got a wide variety of experience. Hyde has significant experience in the league. He's also worked with the U.S. national teams Um, video analysis has worked with national teams and clubs in like a 13 year career. Alfaro has, has been in uh, physical trainer roles for I think 12, 13 years. Palladini has been in the game for 20 years. You have a ton of experience. You have a ton of club experience. You have a ton of national team experience. It's, it's probably one of the, you know, most decorated and like best resume group of coaches in the league.
0: And if you want to kind of get a good look at it, I mean, that's going to be a thing next year when that academy, when the academy, when the tr- training ground is built up off of Franklin Road Marietta, take some time, go up there, watch them, and watch all this in motion because Jason's right. I mean, it's, it's a really solid group with a lot of experience to watch. And you can go get I any... Mean, if you can get a chance, go up there, check them out at the training grounds and see how they function in a day-to-day basis. Uh, it'll be a good chance to see all that. Um, and moving, I guess, uh, if you have not a version of Frank Lampard, you can pause this for like a minute. Um, Hey, uh, player rumors, Jason. Uh. uh, let's just get this out of the way quickly. Frank Lampard was mentioned. There's no guarantee that that's going to happen. Uh, does anybody want him? Not really. Okay, I'm glad we came to that conclusion. As everybody's happy.
1: Yeah, you can... Um, at Chelsea underscore HQ, uh, direct your ire there. They are referencing the Express, which is a uh, UK paper, saying that Orlando, LA Galaxy, Seattle, Atlanta, and Chicago are keen to offer Frank Lampard another contract in MLS. I am... Highly skeptical of that.
0: Um I mentioned it earlier and I drew the ire of half of it the, the uh ATL soccer chat with yes. it. And I don't think I don't know if it was directed strictly at me. I think it's because I brought it up. I'm not endorsing it. I just wanted to get everyone's take, and I was assuming it would be overwhelmingly what it was, which is negative. Um
1: Lampard and- ha- has had one of the most interesting MLS careers. I mean you had the whole thing with, is he signed? Is he not signed? Is he going to come back? Is he going to be on loan? What's the deal? And then he comes in midseason and he's injured. And he he I believe over the year and a half he was with New York City FC, he missed more games due to injury than he played. But he did have a good run this year um, when he was healthy, scoring goals. Some of them were the flukiest, luckiest goals with random body parts I've ever seen. But they still count the same. Um, he scored with everything but his foot. Yeah, I mean, the thing is soccer brain, he's got it in spades, but he doesn't have any legs left. And you know this this report or reference from the Express, which there's no link, so I don't know. I'm guessing it was in the 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 paper edition. Uh, Seattle plays on turf, Atlanta plays on turf. I don't see a Frank Lampard who, you know, can hardly keep his legs together to play at Yankee Stadium wanting to sign with a team that's going to play their home games on turf. It's just not going to happen. No. So I don't think he I don't think he's an MLS next year. I I think this is crazy talk. Um, I think he it was a nice idea from New York City FC. It if he had come if he'd been healthy, it would have been a different conversation. If he had come at the beginning of the season last year it would have been a different conversation. I think he had kind of the biggest mixed bag of a two-year career for, you know, a designated player that we've seen in the league because there were some really bad parts of it and there were some good parts of it. It was all over the place. It doesn't need to happen again. Thank you, Frank. Bye.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, also, there were talks with Carlos Tevez, which people are much more interested in. Clearly we are considering Jason appointed him the head of the Atlanta four horsemen.
1: Um, Carlitos. Yes. I am
0: am all about this.
1: Yeah. I, I, as excited as I am about the possibility of an Andres Guardado and think, you know, how well he could do in this league. If I had to choose Carlos Tevez would be my signing because I think he's, he, the heart, the passion, the things he's going to bring to the table that way, it's going to be infectious. It's going to rub off on the rest of the team. I think he's still got it. I think he can still give you two, three, four years um, of good soccer. I think he has a good relationship with Tata Martino. Tata brought him back into the national team fold after he had kind of been cast aside for a bit. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it seems like he's ready to leave Boca Juniors. The just insanity of Argentine soccer, I think, is, has gotten to him and he's ready to go. I, I think some of the you know, kind of malcontent stuff that's been put on him is not completely fair. Um, I mean, you know, he left Manchester United and I think it was one of the biggest mistakes of Ferguson's, you know, last few years at Manchester United was letting him go. Cause I think he was the heart and soul of that team. The year he was there and they, it took a while to replace that. And I think that's what he would bring here is he would be the heart, the soul, the leader of this team and you need those in year one, especially one who's going to score some goals for you.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, either him or Guardado. I'm good with either one. And there are other guys. We This came up tonight, and there are other guys you bring in. The trick becomes, as you mentioned, as people have mentioned, bringing in players' names who can contribute, who aren't just names for the sake of names and are out there as a traffic cone. And I'm looking at you, you handsome devil, you handsome Italian devil playing in New York City.
1: You're all about the traffic cone and Pirlo.
0: Uh, you, uh, I think you're the first one who ever made the comparison, and I just carried it. Um, <laughs> I love Pirlo, but he was a traffic cone that first year.
1: Yeah, he was uh,
0: not even a large traffic cone, like almost like a like, almost like a drill cone. Like you just step over him.
1: Oh yeah, he was like the little little round one. I, I think this year he at least graduated to traffic cone.
0: Yeah, um, but you want someone who can contribute and who is not just hey, we have this big signing. What does he do? Um, he's there. But what does he do? No, that's he's there.
1: He, he he's in commercials.
0: He he is he is in advertisements, uh, both still and in commercials. And he wears a jersey and walks out on the field for seventy minutes a night.
1: He visits the finest restaurants in the city. Oh, oh. Right. I'm
0: sorry if you brought Pirlo to Atlanta. Atlanta's wine
1: registry would go up. Oh yeah, that's true. So yeah, but that, um, we don't know. We're not endorsing that. Don't don't write that down. No, <laughs> no.
0: Um. Anyway, yeah. So it just it's a matter of finding the right fit. And I think he would be that fit, especially, as you said, with his connection with Tata. I'm, I'm 100% on board with that. And there are other there are other signings, other players who, and you don't, I'm not saying you want to bring in guys who are 36 and who are at the end of their career trying to retire in the sunset no. of the MLS. But if you find a player in his late 20s, early 30s who wants to make that jump over the MLS, if he fits, he fits. Go get him. Te- you know they'll have the money.
1: Tevez is the, the right age, you know, slightly older. He's 32. Um, Guardado's going to be 30. That's that's good. You can sign them both. You've got two designated player slots to spend that type of money. Um, I'm cool with it. I if Like I said, if I had to choose, I would lean towards Tevez. I'm not saying don't get them both if you can. Um, it's... There's a lot of things to shake out between now and the crazy MLS acquisition week. Uh, We need to come up with a name for that week because it's going to be insanity. Um, We need to come up with a name for that, a hashtag for that one. And then the transfer window will fill in the gaps. And it's only going to pick up from here, folks.
0: Yeah. And, And we keep saying that. And it has picked up everything kind of picks up. You know, you get the kit coming out, Uh, signing Tata was a big deal. It, it does pick up. And as the international wind as the international week and the international break winds down, we get back to uh, your champions league over in Europe. If that's your sort of thing, if your vice is more domestic chaos and uh, uh, ritualistic bloodletting for 90 minutes, uh, we have Eastern and Western conference finals for you. And as that winds down, we get closer and closer to just all out anarchy. So that's when everything once it starts it's, it's kind of like a train on a hill and you didn't just pull the brake you're kind of taking out the brake cables as you go it's gonna roll downhill and there's not much you're gonna do until gravity decides it's done with it which is like february
1: yeah so we've got tuesday november 22nd the first leg of the eastern and western conference championships uh double header strap in for that that'll be fun um maybe uh, actually I will commit or I'll commit to it anyway, for sure. A uh, peach pit preview that day. And maybe we'll even do like a post-match recap. Maybe I can talk you into it. No, you probably can. And so that's going to be the 22nd. Um, those are going to be some, these this is these are good matchups. I mean, the, the all Canada battle in the East is going to be good fun. Those teams hate each other. And they're playing in a nice, fun stadium, too. Yeah, you're going to have, I think they've already sold 50,000 tickets, um, probably more now. It's going to be sold out. And then you have Seattle hosting Colorado, which is you know, probably the two least likely teams to be in the Western Conference final at this point. You know, Seattle, maybe preseason, you would have thought that, not midseason. Um, Colorado, now Tim Howard's on the shelf. So Zach McMath gets to... Basically, play for a t- an audition for next year. We'll see where that goes. Uh, it's it's going to be fun. the 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 pressure is going to be off the charts with both of these games.
0: Yeah, that's 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 the thing I'm taking away from it is we've talked about McMath and I texted you this week about it and asked you your opinion. McMath's on the big stage here. He can he can carve out a starting job for himself somewhere else. Assuming you know, assuming like God forbid, Tim Howard decides he's done completely um so i don't think will happen
1: nah i don't think so
0: but if he did you know then you can say then colorado can say hey uh hang around it's your job again um (laughs) otherwise i think
1: zach's gonna say uh bye
0: yeah Um, (laughs) i think he's well within his right He's, he's well within his right to do so but these two games let's say he goes out there and gives up like one goal over um 180 minutes plus and makes some really quality saves and puts himself in good position against a Seattle team that, you know, can cause you a little bit of chaos. If he does his job and looks really good doing it, um, I mean, he could, whether it's with Atlanta or someone else, carve out a starting job for himself somewhere else. This is a big opportunity for him. And maybe his price goes up. Uh, I think you had mentioned it, the idea that Colorado may just try and sell him instead of letting him go by not protecting him in an expansion draft or whatnot.
1: I I think he's going to go in that trade window. I think you're going to see a few guys go in that trade window of that ilk guys who can be starters somewhere and Atlanta and Minnesota are going to be jockeying because they'll be active in that. Um, Minnesota does not have the number one pick in the expansion draft. So if there's somebody they really want, they might try to trade to nab them before the draft. Um, same for Atlanta. They're not going to want to play chicken. And I think the the battle of chicken between these two teams for goalkeeper is going to be especially interesting because you have so many options on the table. You have a Zach McMath who you would expect to be available. You have a Sean Johnson that you would expect to be available. You have goalkeepers who should be available via the expansion draft or other means in Columbus, in new England due to signings that have been made so we'll see where this goes um, it's it's gonna get interesting and that three hour window is gonna be the perfect kickoff to that week of of craziness
0: yeah that's that's what I'm looking forward to just I want to see what happens because as you said there might be a three hour show involved and there was gonna be a lot of chaos there's gonna be a lot of what happened what didn't happen what could have happened it may come out after the fact um, I don't know if anybody follows, for instance, Major League Baseball's trade deadline, which baseball being one of those sports where trades are very common, especially as the deadline comes up, you'll get a recap of, oh, here's everything that happened to the deadline. By the way, here's some stuff that almost happened but didn't quite happen. It fell through at the last minute. We could see a list of those an hour after the uh, MLS window, that three-hour window closes. Somebody could come up and say, oh, such-and-such, was a, so-and-so was about to get traded for such-and-such, and it just didn't get done. Mm-hmm. I, there could be a lot of, oh God, what ifs.
1: It's, it's going to be chaos because you, you've got, as we found from doing these expansion draft wish lists, you've got a lot of teams with some tough decisions to make. And they might say, you know what? This guy's going to be in the expansion draft and we're going to lose him for nothing. Hey, Orlando, do you want Gonzalo Verone instead of putting him in the expansion? Like we're going to put him in the expansion draft. Do you want I will it?
0: Tie, I will tie Gonzalo Verone into a room of darkness until the expansion draft.
1: It. <laughs> it's going to get out of hand.
0: We'll lock him in a room.
1: It, it's it's going to get nuts. So get ready. Um, uh, potential sponsors, if you want us to do our three hour show at your location, just hit us up.
0: And now, um, Louis, uh, thank you for all your wonderful comments over time. Um, thanks for checking in every week, and thank you for being vocal about things. If you would like to turn off the podcast, um, if you're not ready to talk about this, that's fine. Everyone goes at their own speed, but now is the time uh, for you to turn this off, because it's uh, <laughs> it's time to discuss the USA-Costa Rica game.
1: Uh, <laughs> earmuffs, kids. Ear Earmuffs.
0: Alright, I'm assuming you turned it off by now. If you haven't turned it off by now, you're at, it's your loss. I don't feel yeah. sorry for you anymore. You probably watched it, or at least watched the Twitter feed, which frankly was just as entertaining.
1: Oh, U.S. Soccer Twitter today. Oh boy.
0: <laughs> U.S. Soccer Twitter today went all in, 100%. Those people who were on the fence, they didn't just get off the fence, they jumped off and knocked the fence down on the way out.
1: Um, I think my my favorite one was uh, uh, Pablo MLS MLSist on Twitter. He updated his list of the logic behind calling Klinsmann the worst U.S. men's national team coach in the modern era, and it is a long list. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's
0: like saying, "Oh, that guy was a worse coach at Georgia than Ray Golf." Oof!
1: I mean, Oof. Um, or the Jerry
0: Gl- or the Jerry Gladville years for the Falcons. Oh, that, like, hurt, that hurts too. <laughs> there's a long list of, Oh God.
1: Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll hit the highlights very quickly to kind of give a preamble of where this discussion is going to go. Uh, Klinsman has had the first three game losing streak since 1997. Uh, he's had the first four-game home winless streak against CONCACAF opponents since LBJ was president.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. He has failed to beat a top-10 team in six tries. His, his team's <laughs> loss to Jamaica in 2012 was the first U.S. loss to them ever. His team's loss to Guatemala in 2016 was the first U.S. loss to them since the Reagan administration. Guatemala was the lowest ranked team to ever beat the U.S. in the history of the FIFA rankings. This is fun. This is the one that jumped out to me after the last World Cup, which people were trying to give Klinsman credit for an accomplishment. 2014 featured both the lowest possession percentage and fewest shots per game of any U.S. World Cup team for which stats exist including Bora Ball in 1994, which people say was the most defensive team we've ever had, and the the half-amateur team in 1990. The 2014 team had lower possession percentage and fewer shots per game of any U.S. World Cup team in modern times. I mean, come on, people. Damn. (laughs) The last Gold Cup. The U.S. had the fewest shots of any of the 12 teams in the Gold Cup group stage, including a Canada team that failed to score a single goal.
0: My wife asked me last night, Well, how's Canada's men's team doing? I just said they, they don't. She said, "Like What about their women's team is really good? It's like, I know, right? But their men's team's not. Like All they have is Kyle Lahren, and I can't look at him because of the way he spells his name.
1: Um, How's Canada's men's team? They play like the U.S. played against Costa Rica, except they do that the round before. That's it.
0: They get it out of the way, so it's not all, like hemisphere-wide television.
1: Yes. Oh, and wait, I'm not done. Pablo has more.
0: <laughs>
1: Started the hexagonal 0-2 for the first time in history. The U.S. has never extracted less than three points in their first two Hex games until now. That 4-0 loss last night was the worst U.S. men's national team shutout loss in qualifying since 1957.
0: England didn't even have a World Cup title then.
1: Uh, It's just lost consecutive World Cup qualifiers for the first time since 2001. Yes, Jurgen Klinsmann is doing such a great job. Jurgen Klinsmann is doing all this in spite of such a poor player pool and all the excuses that we can come up with for him. It's garbage. It's complete and utter garbage. Jurgen Klinsmann has failed in what he said he would do. Jurgen Klinsmann said a bunch of stuff at the 2010 World Cup when he was on TV, on ABC, about what he would do. And then when he took the job, how proactive he would be and how he would transform the style of play. And he's been arrogant and basically told the United States that they don't understand the sport. And he does. And he is getting so little out of the players he has who all play better with their club teams than they do with the national team. He is lost and the team is lost and now the teams quit on him.
0: Yeah, that was what I took away from last night was like I got home, I went to get cleaned up, and it was two nothing. I came out to eat food. Just eating late at night is apparently just what I do. And it was four nothing. I wasn't gone that long. <laughs> and I see everything popping up. I see the goals like oh, that's that's awful. Like John Brooks John Brooks got murdered. And then that ball over the top, like they just quit. That's all I could think. of. was like I'm like I was laughing. Like I tweeted, I retweeted the uh, Stars and Stripes tweeted out something about the final score, and I tweeted out the GIF from Breaking Bad of Walter White in the crawl space laughing mm-hmm. maniacally because he's lost all his money and he's gonna die. Like that's that's where I was. I was laughing maniacally at what the whatever the hell it was they just did, mm-hmm. and it. I mean, I, I went and looked at the goals. I'm like, oh god, they just quit. I, they gave up.
1: I have never seen a US team in a US shirt give up two goals like the third and the fourth one in a 4 3 minute span like that. That that is your your epitome of what Jurgen Klinsmann has done with this national team because under Bob Bradley it was not Beautiful soccer all the time.
0: But it worked. But it worked,
1: and you would never question the team's effort. Under Bruce Arena, it wasn't always pretty soccer. He definitely took some chances, and in the, the 2002 World Cup with Donovan and Beasley and going with the kids, you saw some great soccer. They never quit. Under Steve Sampson, except for the 1998 World Cup, which you had a lot of issues with what Sampson did to throw that team under the bus and things he did. Up until that point, they never quit. Under Bora, they never quit. Under Bob Gansler, they never quit. You go farther back, the team never quit. When they were terrible and had players who were playing in local ethnic leagues, they played hard. In Costa Rica last night, that team quit on Jurgen Klinsmann. And it comes down to the fact that are you going to completely change the player pool or are you going to change the coach they quit on? And when you have players coming out after games saying, we didn't know what we were supposed to do essentially. And the other team did. And then you have Klinsman calling out players by name and, and driving the bus, running them over, backing it up, hitting them again. And he's done this consistently through his tenure. It's, it's time. It's just, it, this has to stop. He's, The team is in a worse position now than they were after the 2011 Gold Cup Final when U.S. Soccer said Bob Bradley wasn't good enough. Um, Bob Bradley didn't lose a game in the World Cup where he was outshot a million to two.
0: And was saved by one of the greatest goalkeeping performances in history.
1: Yes, the most dubious record you can have is most saves in a game. Because hey, t-
0: Tim Howard deserves a statue for that game. Tim
1: Howard deserves a statue. Jurgen Klinsmann deserves to be kicked. Um, it's bad. And Bob Bradley didn't have a team play that poorly and that defensively. Bob Bradley didn't have a team play in a World Cup with the lowest pers- possession percentage and lowest shots numbers in modern times. Bob Bradley didn't have a team that lost in a Gold Cup semifinal at home to Jamaica. Bob Bradley didn't have a team that looked shell-shocked against Argentina and Copa America. These things didn't happen. The team has taken a step back. And what I, where I come to it, and this is the part, I guess, that I'm, I'm angry about with it, is people keep saying, like, oh, it's just 0-2. There's more eight more games in the hex. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, go ahead and insert the meme of the dog and the, fly, and the fire, and there you go. It's fine. It's not fine, and I'll tell you why. One team has come back from this spot, zero points in two games in the hex, and qualified. Trinidad and Tobago, two thousand six, they got the fourth spot, and they had to go into the playoff and beat Bahrain to get to the World Cup that year. And let
0: me point something out. Um, Okay, let's assuming let's just look at this group real quick. Uh, Mexico, Costa Rica, uh, one and two. Like those are the those are the top two teams you're dealing with right now, uh-huh. as, as it stands. That's not including two really impressive performances by Panama. Yep. So that's three. You have the fourth spot. Let's assume you want the fourth spot. You have to be flawless the rest of the way. I know you're getting there. I know that's the point you're getting to here. Uh, Honduras and Trinidad and Tobago aren't going to lay down.
1: Honduras has been to the last two World Cups.
0: Yeah, it's not like Honduras is just going to be – it's not like they're Guatemala, which I say that you just lost to Guatemala, so maybe that's not the best example. Um, But they're not going to lay down. If you go drop points at Guatemala, I mean – does it, it, it shouldn't be to the point that if you have the expectations about the sport in America, it should be to the point where you don't make the World Cup is what makes you change everything. It should come before that. But then again, I've seen articles today where people said, oh, well, we should, we should drain our own expectations back and said, well, how do you want it? I mean, do you believe that you should pull back your expectations about the sport? Because my expectation is that. The United States has a deep enough pool, has enough raw talent and the resources. They should be making the World Cup. If they're missing the World Cup, uh, and if you're defending Jurgen at that point, I'm not going to debate it because at that point, I don't think there's a debate to be had. Because what can I say at that point that would make you say, yeah, maybe Jurgen is – maybe it's time.
1: If your argument for Cleansman should keep his job at this point is uh – MLS is bad and U.S. soccer is bad for working with MLS and the player pool is not good enough. Um, that has nothing to do with the fact that these players perform better with their clubs than they do under Jurgen's leadership. They, The roster right now, this player pool, is deeper and stronger than any player pool the United States has ever had. That's a fact. I mean, I think you can look at some different teams that have had some players like, like some of the teams in the mid 90s that had a Harks who was playing in England in the top flight, had a Winalda who was doing well in Germany, had a Tab Ramos who was a special player. Um, you had a lot of other guys who were very good players. And, you know, I grew up watching them and I looked up to them. They're not, you don't have the depth that you have with this group. Um, Look Juer- at the players he left on the
0: bench. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole different argument about why he left them on the bench, but he left player. Look at the guys he left on the bench last night.
1: Jurgen Klinsmann is not getting the best out of this team, and that's what it comes down to. And when you start to get into that situation that you're, you're having that conversation, you have to make a change. He is not getting the best out of the team. You do not go into a situation where you're on the road and you throw away two goals at the end because you don't give a crap anymore. And that's what it looked like. And... Those two goals are the reason right now that the u s is in last place in the hex,
0: yeah, and that's something I've always been able to you know take pride in, even you know going around the world being like, oh, you're from America, yeah, we're not great, at least we try i mean last like, i've never I've never been able I've never had to worry about saying, oh yeah the us team really struggled that game, but they went you know balls to the wall for ninety minutes, and it wasn't pretty. it might not have been a win, but they didn't give up. And last night they gave up. God forbid that team having. And I know we're compare we're getting dangerous comparing now with uh, the 2010 World Cup. But God forbid that team have shown up against the Slovenian team that went up two nil on the United States, and the U- U.S. came back in that game to draw.
1: It's it's not. It's just not there. And when you know, like we talked about earlier with Klinsman throwing players under the bus, when you do that consistently, which he has you get to a situation where the players are tired of hearing it. And when you get to a situation in a game where Bradley and Jones have to go to the sideline and say, this is not working. We're changing it. And Klinsman's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. We had, we had that worked out. Well, it took you 30 minutes. You wasted a half hour in the Mexico game and Mexico made a tactical change immediately.
0: And then immediately and if you haven't seen it yet, go look up the pass chart for that Mexico game. Uh The entire, you can't see the ground on the left side of the chart because they just absolutely blitzkrieg the living hell out of the left side of the field because they saw what the U S was doing. They adjusted quickly and then they just pounded the left side.
1: It's, like, it's not, it was,
0: it was really pretty the way that Mexico was like, Oh, they're going to do this. They're not going to change. Well, we're just going to do that.
1: It's not rocket science. When you see, Mexico look up and see, okay, first the three-man back line, which is, you know, it's I, I like a 3 five, 2 I think I've said that a, quite a few times. I like a five-three-two even better, to be honest. And that's something you have to work at. You don't just say, wake up one day and say, oh, we're going to play three in the back, sure. Because Against
0: your biggest rival in the biggest game of, you know, the, your tournament. No
1: y- you could tell they hadn't worked at it. Then they switched to the four in the back and you put Matt Beasler on the left and he's going to get picked on he is a center back he does not have the speed to play left back he doesn't have the speed to deal with mexico's speed
0: if only you have a world class le- uh uh if only you had a couple world class backs you know who you could put in
1: if only you had a world class left back who was playing left mid in that game and you <laughs> never I mean. changed it that's the thing that blows my mind you see Matt Beasler get overrun Multiple times. And it happened in Costa Rica too. Like. I know. It, it, you watch 180 minutes of this. And you don't say. I got to help that guy.
0: The big question now becomes for me. We've seen 180 minutes of. Whatever the hell that was. We've got a long break. Until the next break. Until the next hex games. Assuming Jurgen is the head coach at that point. In charge of the program still. The next question becomes. And he should be. Put under extreme scrutiny for this, no matter what he does, who he brings into camp, and how he lines up, because for all we know, he's going to run a 3-3-1 out there, and we'll just, you know, turn off the TV immediately. Um, He'll he'll probably say, it worked for Mexico, so we'll try it out. No, we haven't practiced it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But does he learn from it? Probably
1: not. No. No, he's too arrogant. He does not learn from it. That's the problem, is he didn't (laughs) learn from it. He didn't learn from it from Mexico to Costa Rica. He didn't learn anything.
0: He's going to cost himself a job at this rate, and he's going to cost uh, the United States the World Cup. Bit. So, uh, so what it comes United- down
1: to is this: you start to that's get, it. you start to look at this thing, and all right, let's let's play the the game that I, I hate to play. But you go through the calendar, and next game for the U.S. and World Cup qualifying is hosting Honduras. We don't know where that's going to be yet. Honduras uh, split their two games at home. Uh, they lost to Panama on Friday. They beat Trinidad on Tuesday.
0: A really good Panama team again. Yep, right. A so, Panama team that could very likely beat you. They just well, they bunkered down Mexico, and that, really they looked good against Mexico.
1: Let's let's get to this. You first game in the next wave of qualifiers is US hosting Honduras. Um, okay, US should win that. Honduras hasn't played away yet. I don't. I think Honduras is. Not as good as they have been. All right, that's three points. Second game in March is going to Panama. Um, Mexico could only get a draw in Panama. Panama beat Honduras on the road.
0: Again, that took, by the way, that took some really solid goalkeeping on Mexico's part because Panama had some shots on goal. Yeah. It wasn't like they just bunkered down and tried to survive Mexico. They went after Mexico.
1: So let's take this prognostication all the way out. U.S. beats Honduras three points okay go to panama in march Based on the way things are going right now pull a draw please if you pull a draw i think that's an accomplishment so that's one that's four points total you host trinidad in june first game of the june games you should get three points there yeah uh so you seven. you go to mexico loss right now you have to say loss it's just, you're not going to get a point out of Mexico. You've never won in Mexico. You've gotten two draws in your history. Um, you're playing like crap. You have to think that's going to be a zero. So that's seven points. Then in September, you host Costa Rica. Right now, you better be hoping for a draw out of that. It's sad to say, you just got beat 4 nothing. Yeah. So let's say, let's put a point there. Then you go to Honduras. It's always a tough place to play. Let's put a point on that one. You're at nine. You host Panama. Animal's tough. They're winning games on the road so far. That's okay. Let's say you let's say you win that. That's twelve. Then you go to Trinidad in the last game, which is never an easy thing to do on the road in, in CONCACAF. You're hoping, hoping to get about thirteen points.
0: Hope thirteen to thirteen thirteen to fifteen is about as optimistic as I
1: get. There's a, a thirteen is optimistic. I uh, thi- I'm saying.
0: I think if you win both of those Trinidad games, I think you could end up with 15, theoretically.
1: It's it's um, tough. I mean, you you have set yourself up to where you don't have room for error anymore. You uh-huh. can't have that slip-up that Klinsman likes to do where you lose in Jamaica or you lose to Guatemala. You don't have that room anymore. Analyze footy on uh, Twitter. Ravi uh, Romanini posted some stats here. The average third place position in Hex history is 15.6 points. That's your your last automatic qualifier. 15.6 is the average number for third place. You have zero right now. You have eight games. Average fourth place to get into the playoff is 13.2. Mexico got into the playoff last time with 11, which is the lowest ever to get into a playoff spot
0: they backed in if you'll remember yep. Graham zusi scored a late goal for the U.S that backed Mexico in I think he scored in like the 88th minute Yep. and he, he him scoring I think he knocked Panama out I believe he did and by doing that knocked Panama out and Mexico backed in with a by the way 11 and that's not to say and let this be kind of a lesson that you know things can turn around maybe not under Jurgen but it, it's not the end of the world that yeah, 11 points on that Mexico team. That Mexico team was a dumpster fire. Like, a fully engulfed, five-alarm dumpster fire.
1: Okay, like, yes. It was bad. Yes, but, but what did they do?
0: They went and did their job,
1: and they no, beat the. with it. No, What? Oh, it?
0: they fired their coach?
1: A couple times.
0: <laughs> twice? Yeah. Like, twice in, a, twice in a week?
1: And then they <laughs> yeah. brought in Herrera. <laughs> There you go. I mean, that's and, they,
0: and they figured it out, and then they went and just and had a good put, World Cup. Put, it in, put an illegal beating down on I think it was New Zealand.
1: Um And they went and they had a, a good World Cup.
0: Yeah, I mean, no era penal.
1: Remember? There you go. So they are
0: they are a no era penal away from getting further in the World Cup than the U.S. did. Honestly,
1: yep. It can turn around, but. Eleven points is the lowest that has ever gotten into the playoffs in Concacaf hex history, and eleven points at this point means you win three, you draw two, out of eight.
0: Yeah, and you lose three games, which is completely possible right now.
1: Which is, I mean, you have two games with Panama, and you have Mexico away, and you have Costa Rica at home, who just blitzed you for nothing. That's four games you could lose. Yeah. That's where we're at. So to say that, oh, yeah, give Jurgen time. There's no time to be had at this point.
0: If you give him time, you're you're going to have plenty of time because you're not going to go to the World Cup. And then you're going to have all of the time in the world.
1: Because it's it's bad. You're
0: not going to go to Russia, and you can just go ahead and start your conditioning in Death Valley to get ready for Qatar.
1: It's it's bad that we're in this spot, and what's more upsetting about it is the way we got into this spot. You know, I would have, I would have rather to me, I I think they should have moved on from Jurgen after the twenty fourteen World Cup, but they gave him extension before the tournament started. I don't think he had a good tournament. We've talked about the stats. It's just they should have moved on.
0: at a different time, we've talked about the player choice. I mean, when, when like, for example, and I, think, I know you've brought this up before, when Altidore's hamstring exploded on schedule, he didn't have a player, didn't, that, that kind of player you know, to fill in the void that he wanted to play. So we had to change
1: everything. He didn't build the roster correctly. He didn't have options there. These things have happened consistently with Cleansman where you've had weird roster things. You bring uh, Carter Vickers into this group and, you know, he doesn't play. Like, why'd you bring him? You didn't bring outside backs and you play Matt Beasler at left back. And, I mean, you you play Timmy Chandler at right back. And really, I mean, it's just... You had the October friendlies where, what did you do with those? What did those mean? What did the, the, that Cuba game? We I we talked about it before. What was the point? It was a, a nice political thing, but did it do anything to help you against Mexico or, or Costa Rica? No. Did the New Zealand game do anything to help you in those? No. You wasted two games when you should have, you decide, because I don't think... Well, I actually, I take it back. I think this is what happened. I think he, some at some point, between the October camp and now, decided to play three in the back against Mexico. When, I don't know what made that happen, because you could have actually used those two games to play three in the back. Shocking. You could have used those games, actually, for what they're there for, and said, hey, Beasler, Gonzalez, or Cameron before he got hurt, and Brooks, you're going to play three in the back and we're going to see how it looks and we're going to see how it works. And I don't care about the result against Cuba and I don't care about the result against New Zealand. I want to see how it works with you guys because this is what we're going to do against Mexico.
0: Okay, so let me ask you, who do you replace with if you do it now?
1: Um, You've got Siggy Schmidt out of contract. You've got... Bruce Arena supposedly out of contract with the Galaxy, and and Stephen Goff, soccer insider on Twitter uh, from the Washington Post, said that he has had sources tell him that Arena was a Plan B um, if things went south uh, in Costa Rica. Things,
0: things went really things went far beyond south
1: beyond south in Costa Rica. So
0: <laughs> that's being very polite.
1: Yeah, it hasn't happened yet. Um, See, you got you got Bruce, who's supposedly out of contract. You got Siggy, who's available now. Beyond that, you got guys under contract. Um, it's a different situation to replace Klinsman now. If you were replacing him after the World Cup, you might look at a Jason Price. You might look at a uh, even a Caleb Porter. You might look at an Oscar Pereja. somebody who can build something over a you know a span of time. You don't have that now. You got to have somebody who knows the player pool, know who's been there and done that, and can get results. And the guy who can do that that is available right now is Bruce. Um,
0: it's because time is a flat circle.
1: It's just he can step in, and players are going to respect him if he was able to get Donovan and Beckham to stop yapping at each other in the media with one meeting, he's going to be able to fix this stuff. He knows Michael Bradley. He knows all these guys. He knows Jermaine Jones. He, he knows how to get the best out of what he has. And that's what he's going to do. Um, it ain't going to be pretty, but he is the best option if he's available. We, we talked about it on the ATL soccer chat and, If you start looking at people who are under contract that might be a fit if you decide not to go with a Bruce or a Siggy, I kind of kept coming back to Peter Vermees. I think Vermees would be another guy who might be better with time as well because he kind of has a a style and a system. But when you get down to what international management is, it's man management. It's getting guys to to give you their best and putting guys in – you know, as comfortable a position as you can to get the best out of them. Bruce will do that. He's been there. He's done that. Siggy's had experience at the international level with youth teams. Um, He has extensive experience, you know, as a professional manager. I'd feel comfortable with him doing it. Vermees has been there as a player. Um, He hasn't been there as a manager. He's done very well with sporting. I think he would get a good performance out of the team. I think he could get the job done beyond that. You're, you're reaching down to a Dominic Kinnear who I think maybe his time has passed. Um, I don't see Christ leaving Orlando for it. I don't think he's ready yet. Same with Porter. I don't think he's ready. I don't think Pareja would leave the project he has in Dallas at this point. Um, cause it's a short term thing. I mean, you're going to sign a guy for basically a year and an option. If you get, if you fix it and you get him into the world cup, we'll give you the world cup. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's where it's and at. If,
0: and if you, and if you don't, then
1: then there's no guarantee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll figure it out. So, um, I Bruce is the obvious one. I mean, it just makes the most sense all the way around. Uh, I wonder if U.S. soccer would do that because Bruce is very outspoken and he has said plenty of things about U.S. soccer, and he would have no qualms saying it again. I don't know if they want to open up that camp, that Pandora's box, but they might not have an option.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see what they do. Um,
1: on that note, <laughs> about wraps it up. Yeah. Uh, uh, Louis,
0: you can turn it back on
1: now if you haven't. <laughs> sorry, Louis. I, I apologize. Um, I don't.
0: That was, that was worth it. Um, anyway, that about wraps it up for another
1: week. Uh, I, I feel you know, better now.
0: I'm glad. I mean, that's what that's what we're here for. I, um,
1: I feel like I should have been on the therapist's couch during that segment, but... Yeah, I,
0: I, better. Can, I, can, I feel like I've been taking notes, so that's fine. <laughs> um, that does it for the Peachtree Post this week. Uh, go hug your loved ones. Um, don't hug Jurgen Klinsmann. And also, if Colorado, if if, J- if Jermaine Jones can't go, Colorado might be capping with a tire iron.
1: Oh so. wow, I didn't think about that. I mean the Howard thing was a, a freak accident. Can't really yeah can't really blame but him if, for that one. But if, if,
0: if he ran Jermaine Jones into the ground and Jermaine Jones is like, I can't the the I I can't do it. They might they might kneecap Juergen. Jurgen.
1: I mean this is I, we didn't even get into that one. Jermaine Jones, who had played what, eighty minutes in MLS in the last three months.
0: That's being very generous of
1: you. I, I think he played he played 80 minutes in that last playoff game in, in L.A., and he probably should have played about 50. Um, so then you go and you play him. Did he play 90 against Mexico? I believe he did. I think he did. And then he played 90 against Costa Rica, and he probably should have played about 15. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not fit. He wasn't fit. He showed it last night. He wasn't fit. And now he goes back to Colorado. At least he has, you know, about a week. But good grief,
0: they're gonna have him in a hyperbolic chamber the entire time.
1: They're gonna have but. to. And it's it's just it's a mess. And I, I think it's pretty clear, at least my opinion. Um, they got to make a change, and they got to make it now. Don't have this thing drag out, and don't let it sit too long. Glotty. you got to make a move. You gotta you gotta have the guts to make this move because. You've got to get the U.S. into a World Cup. You can't risk a World Cup appearance over your own pride and and stubbornness.
0: Yeah. So, anyway. Okay. Now, now seriously, that does it. Um, that does it for the Peachtree Post. Another week um thanks jason for jumping on tonight uh you're getting this a day early so you're welcome and that's just because we couldn't do it later in the week it's not anything of generosity it's just we couldn't do it later in
1: the week no no i was um, extra angry i needed to get it out of my system so there yeah you go. this
0: is a therapeutic
1: episode it, it was it was I, I feel like i can sleep now
0: if you need to give jason a virtual hug you can do so on twitter at long um if you have qualms with me you may find me Jarrett <laughs> underscore smith uh keep up with dirty south soccer uh, for all your up to date Atlanta United news as things break, uh, Stars and Stripes have seed probably a good follow as well because you never know what's going to break in the next few days with U.S. soccer.
1: Good point. Um,
0: you can find us as well on Twitter, Peachtree underscore Post. We we'll have updates of everything going on. Thanks again, everybody, and we'll catch up with you next week. Mucha plata.
1: See y'all.